0: Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds.
1: Uh, My name is C.J. Reynolds, and I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. What Real Rap with Reynolds is, beyond the channel, is a community of educators that are really trying to be the teachers that we were called to be. And so what better way to do that than to show up on a day or a night or an afternoon, which is Sunday, which usually strikes hearts in the fear of all teachers and students that didn't do their homework yet. And so why not, um, instead of play defense, play offense. Why not show up on Sundays ready to go and to talk about this stuff instead of just pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. And so the hope here is that us as a community, not just me, but all the folks that are here in the chat, all the people that are watching this later um, are creating pathways and pipelines to help teachers be the teachers they were called to be, or that they are called to be. Edie said, don't say were, say are, because were sounds like you used to be be called but now you're not called anymore Very true. so we do this in a number of ways. we do this on a live feed here on Sundays I do this on regular YouTube videos that show up on guess what YouTube um or semi-regular <laughs> getting more regular you'll see um it this is through our website real it's through personal mentoring where you can sign up on our website to get mentored by me and I'll talk to you about anything I had a bit of talk about business yesterday uh and it was really really fun um Come speak at your school. You could buy the book, teach your class off. uh, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching, which is in a particularly, it's a very, it's a glaring scene going on over here. We have to dial that in. Uh, Put it on the list. Um, Or through uh, our Facebook group, which is Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook, which is a community of educators. Um, And one of the things I love about that, so there was a particularly interesting post the other day um about a bulletin board and anyone that's in the facebook group knows about this post and here's what i liked about it i like that somebody and if you don't know uh I'll, I'll say like someone tried something at school they put it up on a bulletin board and the thing that i love is that one the vulnerability was there to put this to make this post on facebook and then in large part the the criticism that came from that was really positive. I mean, there were a couple of like people that were like upset, but I think that touched something in them. But the fact that there is a space in the internet to have authentic conversation, to be active listeners, to encourage one another, support one another, uplift one another, um, is not, I mean, there. look, there's hiccups in the group, just like there's hiccups in life, right? There's, there's moments where it's like, I don't know, this doesn't seem kind. Um, and those things have to be navigated, but, you know, I think that it's interesting um, to have a space on the internet that allows you to do that. So here's the gig for tonight. If you are interested in asking a question, you can put it right in the chat. Um, if you wanna do a Zoom question, you hit the link at the top, right? And if you do the Zoom option, you come on live with me, we talk about it on the internet. Um, and sometimes it just gives me a, a better way to kind of um, like maybe, like ask some follow-up questions that really get some insight as to what's going on. Um, But you don't have to do that. If you, even if you choose the Zoom option, right? What we're trying to provide here is an opportunity for everyone to weigh in on this. So those questions at that time um, are gonna be put in the chat by the team and they, so that everyone can respond to them as well. Because look, this is not, although this is me on the internet talking, this show isn't just about me right? This show is about the community because we think that, um, that education is a communal activity. And so in doing that, we are creating space on the side for people to weigh in, to give their opinions, to give a little bit of advice. Um, and don't be afraid to reach out to folks. Like if you like, think someone's pretty cool, like maybe figure out a way to like exchange email addresses or something like that, or meet up in the Facebook group or something along those lines. Um, cause one of the, I think one of the most fun things is that through all of this? Like, people have become like legit friends because mm-hmm. they meet up. Like, mm-hmm. people show up on Sundays, like, like you show up at church and, like, you know, you're excited right. you see to your see your crew. friends mm-hmm. and, you know, see how people have been and stuff. I love so, it. that's
2: my favorite part. Yeah. Um, are you done talking yet? I'm done. It's been
1: a hell of a week. Are we ready to jump we into are. some of this?
2: Yep. Um, let's start with Ronnie V. Ronnie. Um, he is asking, or she, I think, I'm a mom and former para. I'm at home with both my children with autism, with fools. Full- supervision during online i'm having trouble with the youngest who is in regular ed to get her work done any ideas well mom Oof. what would you say no
1: this is your jam
2: uh, yeah i don't you know i have my own who's in that same situation i'm thankful that it's not online and i have to like go with what the schools. and so i have a lot of flexibility to to adjust and pivot but it's, I, I don't know. I feel, I don't know that's a tough one. I'm not a teacher, so it doesn't come natural for me. I know I can answer for my children because I know my children, but I'm not a natural teacher. So it's difficult for me. I was yeah. thrown into homeschool like out of necessity for for our situation. Yeah. So it's not something I probably would have chosen.
1: <laughs> um, I You know, I'm thinking so first of all here's what i would love to see happen if folks in the comments if you're not paying attention um if you could focus in for just a second it feels like i'm teaching class um if you're in if you have uh, experience not even if you're in the department if you have experience with students with specific learning needs right so like kids that are on the spectrum kids with dyslexia folks that this virtual world is not a hundred percent attuned to, or kids that ha- are dealing with things that like, aren't like, they're just not like the the model that your school is using isn't created with them in mind, right? Or not enough. Because I think the problem with online learning right now, one of the many problems is we're trying to take something that existed, which was the school model, which was already broken and weird and kind of crappy and then we tried to turn that into the virtual model and say no this this fits this square peg fits in the round hole just push it in there it'll get in there it's like you know and they realize that it's like you're dealing with concrete not play-doh man um this thing's not malleable this this system that we created so unless unless you know teachers and 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 leadership are are allowed to make it so so you know i'd love to hear what folks are weighing in so make sure that you're ronnie that you're looking at the chat for this too I think the other thing is, you know, when Brody was in school, so Brody, um, more than anything, dyslexia is like his, his thing, right? So as a parent, one, I think there are some feelings that come up where you feel like you need to push your child to be and do what is asked. Cause you're trusting that the school has their best in their best, uh, Interest. interest in mind and thank you wife. um and so you think like no if they're giving this work it means my kid should be able to do this work because otherwise they wouldn't give it because if clearly they've differentiated the instruction they've taken his iep into account and all these other things but that's not the case right so you that's one thing you wrestle with i think the other thing is am i being too hard or too soft on my kid and so we would have like legit arguments about this. So for anyone in the internet that thinks that mm-hmm. um, that this is just chilling all the time, it's not. A lot of times my wife does things wrong and I have to like address them. <laughs> <laughs> so the it is we like my wife when Brody would get all this homework and the teachers would say we're only giving 20 minutes worth of homework, but when that homework would take 2 hours, Jen I would push for
2: I thought we had to complete it all. Yeah, I was following the rules. I was and doing what I, I was would go. I no,
1: we'll do twenty minutes worth of homework, and then we're done. Um, or I would look at the homework and go, "All right, this is just me deciding." Right? <laughs> I feel like I'm a teacher, but, so I have a little bit of. Leeway but I there. think that
2: we had great teachers. That speaks to like our teachers in the school. Who no, but wait, I would purpose.
1: pick first before we even address the teachers. Yeah. I would pick what I thought was important, or what we should do, or take the 20, you know, spelling words and make five or whatever it was, that was me making decisions. So I think, you know, and so it has to, there's a, there is. It's a balance. It is a balance between the two, right? I think it really comes down to parents. When you are working at home with your children, you know your kid best. There might be, right? We know, we teachers know that sometimes we know a side of a kid that a parent might not know. We know things about students that their parents might not know that either the kid is held back or cause you're in the house with them. Like you just, you like, you don't get to see all sides of your children all the time. That's why you know YouTube has been such a beautiful experience is because parents get to see their kids in school in a way and, and interacting in such a way that they, they don't normally. So I, but I think it's really trusting your gut um, more than anything. It's figuring out what do you think your child needs or what your child is capable of and then conveying that to the school and seeing where that goes. Like talking, so if your child has uh, dyslexia or is on the spectrum, you know, I was, I'm assuming that they have some sort of caseworker that's in charge of their, their particular, um, like their IEP or their 504 or whatever's going on. So I, checking in with those folks and saying, this isn't working. The, the, you know, look, and school doesn't do this a very, a very good job of this overall, but there are schools that do. This needs to be a partnership. School is a partnership between families and between teachers. And that coming together is what makes the best possible educational environment for your child. And so when I have conferences with parents, I always ask, what is something that this IP is not going to tell me? What's something the 504 is not going to tell me? What's something that the IP meeting, the case manager, whoever, whatever is not going to show me? Um, And it's because I have to know that parents know more about their kids than, than, then the ip is going to tell me then their case manager is going to tell me then their friends are going to tell me then the student's going to tell me cuz they you know they came from you so i just think that that's kind of where i would go with that is not is learning how to push but not push too much and then learning how to say no cuz you know your kid better than anyone else and to hell with even if the school doesn't agree with you you stick to your your guns i think and that's how we we help our children because think about this and i'm going to jump into the next question in a second think about this what is the lesson you're also teaching your own child to say no to like people that put themselves in in places of, of power that just because you have some sort of power doesn't mean i have to listen to you and i'm not saying like you have to become an anarchist or something like that but it is um it is learning how to say boundaries. no and then have those conversations. Yeah, it's learning how to have boundaries and it's learning how to boundaries. stick up for yourself and it's learning how to put your foot down and it's learning how to, to say, well, why, right? So not even just putting your foot down, but saying, I have, I have a question. I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. Can we break this down so that I understand it um, so that I can see that my, actually, my child's education is being kept in mind for them. Um, so yeah, okay. what's up? Uh,
2: next question. Benin, I think the name is, Uh, forgive me if I say it wrong, Um, is asking, I heard a story from a student teacher who had one of her last big exams in the form of a lesson. That's the way they do it in Germany. One day before the exam, she found out that one of her kids committed suicide. The examination committee still insisted on her giving the lesson anyway, crazy. Um, She struggled to decide between giving attention to the kids for um, consolation and, on the other hand, doing a lesson for the committee to show her teaching skills. Um, I think it was eighth grade. I know this is a very difficult situation, but do you know how you would have reacted?
1: Oh my gosh, um, I, you know that's such a here, this is such a tricky question. I know what my answer is a hundred percent right off the bat, right? <laughs> but, um, but I, I think it's tricky because. To put myself in the shoes of someone else like so so sometimes when i answer things they are answers that i i feel strong in doing but that being said i don't know what someone's situation is right so like if you go the wrong way in that decision and you don't get a job because of it or you don't graduate because of it and then you have to take something over again or do something over again or something along those lines and that means you can't have income for your family It means your kids are going to go without it means you're not gonna be able to pay your rent or you know whatever those There's, I realize there's other things there. From where I'm standing, from my life that I live, I would say that, as always, education's only ever about students. And so providing space for young people to explore and express what is going on in their world, especially when there is something as heinous as um, having to deal with a suicide. Like how heartbreaking is that? That someone you knew, someone that was your friend, someone you shared space with and time with, Um, is no longer here is not something that can be fixed. It's not something that counselors are going to come in for the day and deal with. These are long-term issues that those children will deal with, um, some of them for life. This is going to have a ripple effect that lasts for life. And so why wouldn't we show up and realize that if we're here for children, then what do children need today? Do they need more practice in reading, more practice in writing, more practice in math, or do they just need someone to listen to them, someone to be there with them, someone to care for them and walk through something with them and show them what it's like to be um, to be reflective, to be vulnerable, to be open. Um, so, this is really distracting when he does this because i'm really trying to have this like really important moment and the dog is like kicking up the laundry to make a little bed for himself um (laughs) and then he just looks at me like what um anyway the so along with that um i think there can be a balance there can be space given in the beginning of a class where you spend five ten 15 minutes depending on like maybe kids really want to talk about it maybe they don't want to talk about it um maybe you talk about things about how like we're still going to do work today um but it's because I think that sometimes that consistency is what kids need I've had students who've had like very close family members die and then they come to school the next day I've had kids whose houses have burnt down overnight and they come to school the next day because they want some sort of familiar familiarity they want some sort of consistency they want to show up and it's like cheers you know like uh like where everybody knows your name there's a there's only five of us that got that reference um so it's uh i think that that can be an important piece as well um yeah and then you got kind of go into your lesson for that consistency piece um but you're at least letting it be known that like look um, we need to get through some things today, but like I really want to talk to you about this. I really want there to be space and if you as you're processing during the day you can come and see me after school or during lunch or something like that, um, I think that could be a both end. Um, and if the people that are watching, the people that are are grading that don't think that that's useful, like I mean, I don't, sometimes things are broken and they can't be fixed. I, I don't know like I don't know like I would, I would probably follow up with them afterwards and say, "Look, this is how I did this. This is why I did this. I've been with these students. I know, I, I know, them, um, and this is what needed to be done. And if that means that that things are going to get messed up for me on my end, you know, education is only ever about students. So so be it."
2: Laura Campion is asking, got your book for Christmas and I've already read it cover to cover twice. Uh, Thank you for the motivation. What new ideas do you have to help motivate you in teaching as you continue into 2021?
1: I I think, you know, I talked about this a lot, but, you know, the book is a lot about getting after it. Um, And so I've been thinking a lot about my second book, um, which I haven't started writing or anything yet, but, that'll just take me a minute to finish that. Probably. Uh, I've been thinking about two things is, um, that book will have more to do with like the, like how to achieve some of the ends I talked about in teacher class off, like more like, like step-by-step kind of a thing, I think is what I'm hearing. A lot of people would like, um, and it's more about not like hustling, but, uh, but taking my time as well, right? Like, because knowing that it is not all me that is making this kind of happen, right? So like, it is I, I can I can work my ass off, like I could just work hours and hours and hours a day, and like never get up from my seat. And when I get up, my lower back hurts, or my butt is killing. Like I'm like sitting in this brand new office chair that I've already like destroyed the cushion on, and I'm like I gotta get a new office chair after six months not even five months four months um so I know I like when I turn to talk to you but you're clearly in the middle of engaging doing um,
0: things.
1: so it is uh you know so here I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Jesusy on you for a second even though I know that's not everyone's jam um, here's what I've been thinking of because that's you know I don't really get into that stuff too much but I've just been really thinking about like how in even if you're not religious, how Jesus changed the world, like immensely, um, in three years, and how, you know, a friend brought up to me recently uh, that did I ever notice that Jesus never ran anywhere, and he took more naps than any other person in the Bible, and I thought, bro, like that's so true, and um, and so what I'm finding is in that rest. If I, if I make it essential, like I make it like not a nice to have to sleep enough hours, not a nice to have to get quality sleep, not a nice to have to hang out with friends, not a nice to have to exercise or to just spend time doing a puzzle with my daughter, it is, it is essential because what it's doing is creating space for ideas to come, for my body to heal, for my mind to rest, It is creating that space um, that self-care cannot be a nice to have. It has to be an imperative. And so I've been taking off. I've taken off every Saturday for the last few months um, as a Sabbath. Um, And I I only do stuff I want to do. Like I spend my whole day doing what I want to do. And I don't fix my hair on purpose because my son really likes that. (laughs) What was he saying? He, he said, goes, That's
2: when you know you're in full chill
1: mode. He goes, "I like when dad doesn't fix his hair, make his hair fancy. Yeah. That's what he says. I like when dad doesn't make his hair fancy because he means he's in full chill mode. <laughs> and I am. I wore pajama pants almost all day yesterday. We
2: all did. All,
1: all I looked pants. like the dude without a beard and a white Russian. Nice. What do you got? Okay. Thank um, you for the kind words on my book, too. I really appreciate that. It is never lost on me. That thing was really freaking hard to write um and so the fact that it would help anyone i just am like thrilled that it could i got i got people on here i don't know what the deal is
2: yeah i guess i'm going in order oh okay i see pete's
1: down there and pete's up here okay
2: one question before so stephanie shook is asking um i get to proctor my first set of sols this week any suggestions for proctoring state testing
1: that's a curious sol yeah i don't even know what
2: that is
1: it usually means shit out of luck, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that, no, the fact that a test is called that, uh, it's just like,
2: mm. there's it,
1: <laughs> some irony there. Um, I'd, so so advice for a proctoring a test? Yeah. Look, I think, you know, I, I try to make testing in my, so there's certain things I'm supposed to do, right? There are certain standards um, and some of them are good, right? Like some of them, I really hardcore believe in. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent believer in state testing though like I think that it's biased and there's a whole bunch of problems with it that being so it's part of the it's part of the game right now right so until that is is remedied we still have to take these assessments um and sometimes uh those assessments are capable of like providing our students with opportunities because the the grades that they get on it or w- whatever it is so like, th- they can get um there are like actual benefits that can benefit them going into college and getting funding and stuff like that in, in Pennsylvania anyway. So that being said, um, I talked to students about the why on the front of the test. All right, gang, look, before we get into this today, right, before we even take this, because I know um, this might not be your jam, let's talk about why this is important and what this can actually get you if you do a good job on it. And then talking about things just really quickly, like what will help you do well? Right. So, one of the things that I've learned over time that my students like really struggle with is that they don't have, um, they get, they tire from test fatigue. Right. So, they will look at an entirely like an, an enormous passage that they have to read. And then there's like five questions under it. And my kids always do the same thing they try and just answer the questions without doing the reading, or they'll try and find the answers. But when it's not comprehension questions, when they're asking you to, like dig in a little deep to do something with the reading instead of just regurgitate in the answers. They get tired and they don't want to do it or they skip it or they just guess. And so it's about working through with kids to say like, look, even if this is hard for you, can you read for five minutes and then give yourself a 60 second break? Just take a breath, sit back, look around the classroom, like close your eyes for a second if you need to, whatever you're doing, but you're resting your mind, and then jump back in for five minutes, and then keep going back and forth like that. So it's like giving them sort of like some of those quick, like, best practices as a reminder going in. Um, I think the other thing is reminding kids that you should, you have to be silent. But even for that, right, for every single part of this, it's why you have to be silent, which makes us have to take a moment and think about that. The reason we are quiet during testing isn't because I said so, it can't be that's that is a terrible reason to tell a child to do anything is because I said so um and we all know that we didn't like this when we were kids either when your mom said because I'm your mother and you're like Damn, bro you just played that card like I, I can't even trump that um I
2: love playing that card <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm not saying I don't do it
1: sometimes because sometimes I, I just was like bro it's six o'clock in the morning I want to have coffee I don't want to have the conversation right now. So right now I'm going to say, cause I'm your father, cause I made you.
2: (laughs) Cause I can. Cause
1: you're my offspring. (laughs) Like, you know, so that's it. Uh, So the reason we're quiet is because not everybody can learn in an environment where people are talking. Some people can, some people can go to a loud coffee shop and sit there and do work and others have to go to the library. Some people can sit and learn um, in the midst of a household where there's 79 other things going on and some people can't. They need to be in their room. And it has to be quiet. And it has to be organized. It has to be picked up. It has to be no mess around. Like th- there's different things for different folks. So what we're doing is we are being quiet so our brothers and sisters can do well on the test. So that it is, we are gifting that to them and championing championing, championing them um, by just biting our tongue for a minute, taking a breath and saying, bro, go, go get it. Like this is this is how i'm cheering you on to, to hope that you're going to do well um and then besides that it is i think providing breaks i think letting kids go to the bathroom whenever they want is fine i think um when kids fall asleep we're not supposed to wake them up um so instead i don't even have one i have a yardstick and i tape a tissue to the end of it so then i didn't touch you or bother you but i don't know what that was a little tissue on the face kind of situation um is good too and that's that that wins every time and it's just funny it's just like it like like is the tension breaker
0: Mm.
2: so
1: that's what i'm thinking about what you got
2: zoom it up with kyle smith
1: um is is there a kyle in there kyle is not in here
0: oh
1: um unless so if kyle can say in the chat does he have uh is he under someone else's
2: kyle is your zoom name something different for when it pops up for us
1: because i'm a little bit oh no wait no, cause that's Liz later. So Kyle's not in there right now. Okay. I'm down is to do Liz it Liz in there? Um, yeah, but, a, yeah, but this is next. Anything? I
2: know, I understand.
1: Go ahead, go with that one. All right, so we'll go with Pete. Uh, and then if Kyle jumps in there, we'll go with Kyle next. Pete has no idea. Pete has no idea that I'm here right now.
2: Pete. Pete, you're next. Yo, this man. A hard one. Oh, there
1: he is. He's in school always. Oh, I think you're muted. I thought I changed that, so it wasn't didn't mute you right away. All
3: right, now I think I'm good. <laughs>
1: there we go, bro. I still can't. Hold t- on. Is there a, like a Murphy bed in the back or something?
3: Give me one second. Oh no! <laughs> See, here's the problem, CJ. I can't hear you, but I got you. I got you on the screen over there, and I think that's what's. Hold on a second.
1: One screen in this classroom.
3: My bad. All right, I think I'm uh-huh. good.
1: You're good, man. That's how we do it on here. It's like figuring it out. Is there there a, we go. Uh, like a Murphy bed yes. in the back or something?
3: Wait, say that again? Give
1: oh, me one second. you have to turn off the YouTube and talk to the Zoom. Here's the problem, CJ. All
3: oh. right, hold on. Now I had you on my computer, man. It's okay. cool. It's funny, man. Can you We're hear good? me? We're, We're
1: good. This all oh, all right, all right. Yeah, because there's a 20-second delay we learned between Zoom and YouTube. And so um, it's like when you call a radio station, like, you know, and they're, and they're like, can you turn your radio off? And I never understood why that was a problem. But now, now I fully get it. Well,
3: I, I I'm in here and I have you on my TV. So there was like a, like a 20 second delay on that. Yep. There's like a 15 second delay on my laptop once I shut that off. <laughs> but that's what I get for being in my classroom on a Sunday. So no,
1: I well, what i was asking is are you are you living there is there a murphy bed in the back or something like that depends like-
3: who you talk to if you talk to my daughter she would say yes yes he does <laughs> i do not
1: <laughs> that is that is so what are you doing at school on a sunday
3: um i am making videos for the week i come in in the morning i stay till one o'clock i watch you then i go home and watch football awesome
1: that's great idea. perfect man so what's going on uh I mean, I could read your question, but you're well, listening. So
3: I mean, if you haven't figured this out by now, I, you know, I love the philosophy of teaching. And I've always been, I've taught third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade over the course of my career. And I think the big thing that I've always taught, because government's always been a part of it, is, you know, you get into these election years, and, and I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but My big thing is regardless of how I feel about teaching and about politics, I've always tried to teach my kids how to think. I don't really care what you believe as long as you think about it and as long as you can support it. And obviously over the course of the past mm, four years, especially the past few months, especially the past week, I mean, you talked a little bit about this video. um, We've gone kind of away from, like parents have kind of gone away from that. I've got some kids Um, who are very adamant about how things are, and I still want that culture in my classroom of how to think, and there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of not thinking going on, and that's almost being taught as a philosophy in the household, so I I, I mean, I can get a little more detailed for you if you want to, but I'm trying to stay away from being as detailed as I can, but um, how do you go about in your classroom creating those safe spaces, CJ, when you, you might have some kids who are coming in with a sort of a philosophy, a flawed philosophy. So. <laughs> Sorry, it's yeah, a big no, one. I know.
1: So like kids that are, that blindly follow.
3: Yeah. Almost that cult, like that cult of personality group. that they come in with. Yeah.
1: So I think, you know, one of the things that I, I keep in mind is that, um, what it's like to raise a child, what it's like to be a human being in the world. Um, And sometimes when, if I can start with like where parents got there, like where they came from, right? So like striped cats make striped kittens, right? So if if you are a particular way, then your kid's gonna show up and be that way as well. That's not always, like I can try and help there, but the way I'm gonna try and help is by pushing back on some of your ideas. Um, but not to say that you're wrong. It's more to like help folks have a fuller idea of what's going on or to think about what they're saying or to, to fact check what they're saying, right? It doesn't mean that I'm trying to say that, um, I don't know that anything in particular, but it is it is creating resistance so that critical thinking can deep, can happen on a deep level. And that happens with kids that I believe in and, and like, students that will say something that I'm like, I believe 100% in the same thing, um, I still push back. And then kids that don't believe in the things that I believe in, um, I push back on them as well. And I think what we're really trying to do in schools is is not, I'm not necessarily even trying to go against what, what parents are doing at home. I'm just trying to help, You know, it, it, you, you have to be blind to realize that especially in our country, if not our world, that cancel culture is a real thing. That if you, if that if I find out that you have different political beliefs, spiritual beliefs than me, I just shut that down and I go, no, oh, you're you believe in that? Never mind. Um, that when we can come together and have discourse, have conversation about things, I think that that just is so much more interesting. So I have a guy that lives near my house that is like super pro Trump is. Is racist. I mean, like racist on a level where, like, if someone that is of color walks in front of his house, I can hear him yell, and oftentimes I've had to go around the corner to like address the situation because it's not like because if I can hear it, like, it's just not going to happen. So, um, but you know, when I meet individuals like that, it's not always about shutting them down. Or sometimes it. Sometimes it's calling the cops. Sometimes it's shutting that shit down and just it's not going to happen in my neighborhood. It's not going to happen around my kids. You're not going to yell that stuff in your backyard. Uh, or on your front step or whatever. But sometimes it's like, if you can have an honest conversation and say, I'm just wondering why, like, why Like, why do you think that that's okay? And I think sometimes when we can teach kids to, to meet folks with an inquisitive nature instead of uh, shutting you down nature, that, that bridges the gap because then we start seeing humanity, right? It's the same thing that happens in school. I don't have to like your behavior to um, to not like, so first of all, I care about you, I love you, you're wonderful, your behavior sucks, but let's talk about that because we all know that like sometimes you see the way a certain kid acts and when you can learn what happened to them, where they're coming from, when you can allow them to unpack some of that pain and some of those ideas and some of that hurt, then we can get somewhere new but it's about addressing those elephants in the room sometimes. And so I think that that's part of why it's so important in the classroom to, to
3: the, the pathway that you just mentioned, I think is the important part because I think I think the gap that we're seeing right now is I think people are, or they're sort of creating a fake path, if that makes sense, whereas, when you can get kids to kind of walk down a specific path to see where they got that belief, um, or maybe even using literature, like the the literature we use in our classes to kind of showcase, kind of like what Rafe used to talk about with uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, with Atticus yep. Finch, like using literature like that to show kids um, that level six behavior, that, that you know, this is the morally correct behavior. And I think maybe, yeah, that that's that's what I needed to hear today because it's, this week was, an, it was, you know, I tried to create those safe spaces, but I was getting some very interesting conversations that I just, I didn't know how to, I almost didn't know how to stop because I've always been open to kind of, like you have mentioned before, letting them have those conversations. But when they were going down a path of, okay, that's not a conversation that's even morally correct. So how do we stop that while still making them feel like they have that voice? All right. I'm going to stop yeah. yammering now. I just wanted to show you this once coming your way. There you go. Oh, yay. <laughs> there you go. I got them finally.
1: There you go yes, yes. <laughs> there's a lot of people on here that are going i have no idea what but so everyone next week's lesson old.
3: will be where this comes from all right it looks like
1: underwear it's like, it's just like,
3: like a thong Here are my here are my pasties there you go oh
2: my gosh this is the people who are just listening at the rebroadcast they are going to be yeah, or the podcast the yeah it's
3: like wait what going oh gosh Oh, I, I can't see. wait till my kids hear it's this. All right. It's
2: a yeah. it's Not underwear.
1: Real underwear with Reynolds. There it is. Bye, Later, man.
2: Okay, Kyle is waiting.
1: Kyle, you're up, buddy. Um, peace, bro. See you, man. All right. Let's. Uh... Kyle's joining. Let's see. Kyle, can you hear me? Yes. I know there's a delay, but uh, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Good man. Where are you uh where you zooming in from?
0: Um from Southern California. So pretty far away.
1: <laughs> nice. What whereabouts in Southern California? That's where my brother lives.
0: Um I'm about in Rancho Cucamonga, so it's the Inland Empire, about an hour away from Los Angeles.
1: Uh like actual hour or LA traffic hour away from
0: LA traffic hour, so probably okay. like thirty, forty miles away from LA. <laughs>
1: nice, yeah. So my brother lives in, uh, in Ventura, uh, which is like one of my favorite places in the world. Um, and I hate that he goes surfing every day. And I'm just like, it is cold and miserable outside here. So um, <laughs> cool. Well, look, uh, what can we help you with? What do you want to talk about?
0: Well, some background about me. Um, I'm, I'm just going through my credential program right now and trying to do my master's as well. Um, And I got my bachelor's in business. And I went through that route a little bit. I did some marketing jobs, some like finance jobs, and just turned out that I I just hated it. Like I hate kind of that idea of doing those things. Um, Works for others, but not for me. Um, So I've decided to go into teaching and I've taught drumline at schools. And I really enjoy teaching and wanted to go through the route of um being more of a classroom teacher with all the benefits and higher pay than just being an independent contractor drumline teacher yeah um so the biggest part for me is trying to figure out what subject i want to teach and the best route that i've found for myself is math um because it's a high need field and i'm that's probably the subject i'm best at um but I have to pass exams to be able to teach that subject. Right. And those exams are just really difficult. And I haven't studied math in probably since 2013. So I'm just trying to figure out how you've decided what subject you wanted to teach and how that came to be and how you fell in love with that.
1: Yeah. So I think for me, um, education was, um, access, this sounds creepy when I say this, but it's access to young people, right? So like, I knew that my heart was helping young people um, be the people that they wanted to be and, and like live a life that they were they were proud of. And so how could I do that? Um, and then I thought, well, like what age, what what really entered my mind also was like, what age did I need me in? Um, and ninth grade was a really difficult year for me for a number of different reasons. Um, But like in that, uh, it was like, yeah, I could have really used like a voice of like, of someone to like help me out, someone to help me navigate the waters of life there. And so in doing that, that's part of the reason I chose ninth grade. And then I thought, well, what am I good at? Um, I suck at math. I, last time I took math was like 1998. I took it immediately in college so I could get it out of the way. Had to go, literally left class every day and went to tutoring. And then um, figured out that like English was something that I liked and books for me are a way, are a window into a whole bunch of different worlds that you can talk to your students about, more ideas that you can talk to your students about. So that's, that was something that was important to me also. But I think, you know, I wasn't great at English. I was really, I was really good in high school at English, but like when I got to college, like writing really long papers and reading at, the, at a pace that they wanted me to read at, and a number of, like I wasn't good at being a student. It's something I had to get good at. But I would say this, no matter how hard something is, when you really know why you wanna do it. So when I knew that my why was children, it was helping to make the world a better place. It was being able to um, be the teacher that I always needed when I was younger. When that fuels you, like it's like, what test is gonna hold you back? Like Like anything you wanna do is hard um, but how much, what, what lesson is that for you when you start teaching too? to be able to tell students like, yeah, I had a really hard time with this. I used to have to go to tutoring all the time, or I had to put in extra work, or I had to like, you are essentially building a story right now that some kid somewhere along the way is going to go. I don't know what I want to do, or I want to do that. And it's really difficult. Or I want to do that. But like, I don't really know if I'm capable. You are living out a life right now that you're going to be able to show those students and say, bro, I was in the same spot glad that you brought that up here's how it was broken down to me here's how I learned how I learned best here's how I learned like how to kind of figure this stuff out and I think that that is just as good of a lesson for our students as anything else showing them that we indeed are doing something which is why I think all educators like even after they become teachers should still be learning stuff because you always want to stay in that kind of student mind set on some level because you forget what it's like to be a kid. You forget what it's like to learn something. You forget what it's like to struggle to feel like maybe you're not good enough or like, I don't know if this is for me. And, um, when we can do that, that helps us, I think, to, to be in our student's shoes a little bit better. So that's, that's what I would kind of keep in mind. Um, is that, is that useful at all? Yeah, that, <laughs> that helps out a lot.
0: That kind of, um, first back to like, um, I've never been one to get really good at something like right off the bat, like, Oh, he's talented. Like that's probably not my case. Um, And I really strive to want to just, when I was in drumline, I really liked giving kids drumsticks for the first time and just trying to figure out things with them rather than just trying to do the hardest things. Right. Mm -hmm. So in math, I, I want to be that person that teaches them algebra for the first time rather than, trying to do calculus and STEM classes with them. I'd rather try that basic level and just show them how fun and good it could be. Um, And I like the process a lot. I enjoy the process of learning and such. So were you good um, at
1: drums right away when you started? Sorry? Were you good at drumming right away when you started?
0: Oh, no, no, I was not that good (laughs) at all.
1: (laughs) so like uh, if you like so i started playing drums in fourth grade um and have played drums my whole life and so i remember like hearing songs or thinking i was getting good and then i would hear a song and i was like oh oh i don't i don't even know what's happening there like i mean i can't even like that doesn't even make sense like that fill or that time signature or like there's like that shuffle that you're doing or um, like ghost notes were like what is what what like it just that kind of stuff made no sense to me, but it is it is day by day knowing your why, and I had a vision in my head of like what it was going to look like when I could finally play on a stage, or I could play with people, or it wasn't just in my dusty ass old basement like playing, you know, my uh secondhand drum kit. It was like what is this going to look like one day, and so that's what ends up driving you. is like when you know that when you want that so bad. It, you know it's really hard for other things to get in your way. Um, and I'd say doing stuff like tutoring, doing stuff like being humble and knowing that like, you can't just do it all yourself. Like it's, uh, someone said, I heard today, it's not the power of the dream, it's the power of the team. So like, who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with? Are they like people that are go-getters, people that are trying to do it also, people that are also struggle with math and they're trying to do better so they can, you know, live a life that they're dreaming of too? It's, it's a lot of those pieces as well as like keeping in mind, like who is your team, who's around you, who you're surrounding yourself with. Yeah,
0: definitely. Knowing your why is super important. yeah well, I appreciate your help. I got I got your book and I've been reading it. And awesome. um, a lot of my professors have been um, encouraging reading books a lot so that one, you're learning, you're keep learning. But then also in interviews, they ask you, what, how are you doing professional development? And you say. I'm reading books and getting better every day. So yeah, I appreciate it.
1: Awesome, man. Bro, I love hearing that. I pre- I'm glad to be a part of, of anyone's journey. Um, look, if you need help going forward, like you can shoot me an email at any time or like go to the Facebook group is a good place to connect with people too, um, or pop back on. And we love to help you in any way that we can.
0: All right. Thank you. Appreciate All it.
1: Man, have a good day. You too. Who's next, buddy?
2: Liz P. And she is in the Zoom.
1: Liz P. has been in there for a while.
2: Yeah. Thanks for hanging in, Liz. Here
1: we go of anyone's journey. Um, look, if you need oh, help, global. you can email at any time or like go to the Facebook group is a good place to... Takes a hot She's taking... It's the life. 20 seconds. All
4: right, hold on. I've got the...
1: It's all right. I know the deal. Mute, we...
4: the, mute the... Mute the... What is this called? YouTube.
1: It is... <laughs> it is... a Or when I... Pull people up on Zoom. It's like uh, sometimes they're like in the middle eating something. It's like you know, you never know. It's like a surprise. I should probably send an announcement their way. Like I can yeah, send to me. a message.
2: I'd oh, say can. like you're up
1: next or something like that. But
2: you don't
4: multitask. So that'd be really hard. How are
1: you? Is <laughs> it is the struggle. What's going on, Liz? Where, where are right. you uh, zooming in from? Um, up
4: north of Charlotte,
1: North Carolina. All right. I um, we've talked before. I think. Yeah, did, I think like, we did a practice night ago. or something like that. Maybe what? I think you were on like the night that I tried to like, I just gave it a test run. Maybe you jumped in. I think or...
4: I was on the first one that we did like before okay. winter break.
1: All right. Well, welcome back. I don't remember. What can I help you okay. with?
4: Um, My question, I feel like I'm about to ask a cliche question, but we all know that we have to be observed whether we like it or not from our admin. And I just recently had um, my second formal observation of the year and I always get um docked points for differentiation so I was just wondering kind of how do you go about differentiating and kind of what's your strategy and if you have any advice for this virtual world that we're still living in that'd be great
1: yeah so I think that's such a great question um because one differentiation is something I don't I don't think most schools like in teachers that I get to know spend a whole lot of time like figuring out how do you differentiate instruction and what does that actually look like Um, sometimes you spend a little bit of time a year like talking about special education but that it's always just so ordinary and it's like no this isn't really helping anyone or helping me so i think one is whoever observed you sitting down and asking them like hey i saw this on my on my observation Um, what are some tips or tricks or, or, or something you can give me to go off of that you would like to see for next time. So that's doing a couple of things. One, it's showing that you're not afraid of your observation, that you have a growth mindset and that you want to do better Two, it's accepting the fact that they are the ones observing you. So I could give you a whole bunch of ideas, but it's, if it's not specifically what they wanted to see, then they're still going to dock you point. So I used to get, um, I used to get this guy would come in and do observations and he would, uh, he told me he wanted to see student work on the wall. And I was like, my whole room was decorated. We made an entire set, I talk about this in the book, that looked like Romeo and Juliet. The entire, I mean, from floor to ceiling, everything was, was made by the kids. And he he took, he didn't give me credit for seeing student work. Cause I didn't have picture, like I didn't have um, grades of students that did well on a bulletin board in my room. Bro, what? like? That so that I don't, I don't, so now I know for the next time, oh, this is what student work is. And anytime before an observation, I just staple a whole bunch of papers to the wall real quick. Um, and I didn't even do it nice because I thought it was so stupid that I just did it real quick. And then um, I was like, yeah, there you go, there's student work on the wall. So that, that's part of it too, is like asking them specifically what they think. I think, you know, with regards to differentiating instruction, it really takes knowing your students. Um, we can make a lot of things that look different, but if they don't, if they don't focus in on the strengths of our actual students, then that's going to be problematic. And so the way that you figure that out is you just start differentiating instruction. You just start trying a whole bunch of different stuff and seeing, like, oh, you're really great with video, or you like building, or you like just like regurgitating things, or you like group work or teamwork, or um like you're someone that I can trust to go in the hallway and just sit down and do something while the rest of us are in the classroom. And so when you keep trying things like that, uh, it, you don't know. Sometimes we like to think that we know what our students are going to like or not like, and that's not always the case. Like I have kids that have like, why, I've had one year. I had these two students had wild ADHD. And like they, I mean, I had to give them like a section of the room in the back to just kind of like be so they could move around, they could sit, they could stand they could shake back and forth. Um, There were a lot of manipulatives in my classroom to kind of give them something to fidget with. Um, And then we did a project where we made the island from Lord of the Flies out of Legos. And this one dude, I mean, my man never sat still. He wanted to go to the bathroom 27 times during class. He could never chill. I put Legos in front of him. He never owned Legos in his life because and I that was a total like privilege moment for me where I thought, oh yeah, like Legos are really expensive. Like if you grow up in a house that doesn't have a lot of money, you don't get Legos. They, they didn't have knockoff Legos when I was a kid, right? So um it was putting Legos in front of him, showing him how they worked. I didn't hear him for four days, man. That's all he did. He just was hundred percent focused in and he found a thing that let him settle his mind that let him fidget that let him do what he did and if i but i would never have thought that that would be i would thought he'd be the kid that was chucking legos at people that was like losing them all over the place that they were like i'm picking up legos off the ground after he leaves but you just never know so I, i i've i think looking some things up on how to how people are just differentiating in general so for me it is um Every day we write, every day we read. Um, it is not just doing journals. Like, so in my class, we write journals every day, but sometimes we record journals now. So sometimes it's user camera and we use Flipgrid to do it. Sometimes it's gamifying what you're doing. And I find students, I have kids this year that if I do a Kahoot 100%, like they're, they're, they're zoned into what we're doing. Do anything else, they're just like, they're asleep. They are, have their camera off. They don't want anything to do with it. But if I, so I'm trying to figure out how can I add some sort of gamification to every day so that I'm engaging those students at least for part of the period. How are we, um, are we giving kids projects that are dialed into things that they like doing? So I talked to someone last night that has to do persuasive essay. They have to, that's this, they have to teach your kids how to write a five page or five paragraph persuasive essay. And so I said, uh, she said, it's not going well. It's a drag, the kids hate it. Um, it's really, really boring. So so, what if they had to create like an infomercial? What if instead of like, so that's the same thing, right? So if you have a flex tape or flex seal, right? It's in the mind of the flex seal guy. How do I get people to not hit click or skip ad on YouTube in that five seconds they have to listen? Like, so there's your hook, right? How can I figure that out? But we're taking it from written form to, could we do a little bit of video with this? Could we do audio with this? Could the kids do a podcast? And once you start exercising that idea of like, what would kids actually be interested in or might I be able to at least trick them into engaging with um, and then sit back and take notes and notice that, all right, this, these kids over here really, really did well with this. And so um, audio component is important building component is important for these kids over here. These guys just like silent, quiet space to do work and just get things done. And they like working on their own. And so that's to me what differentiation looks like because you're, you're focusing on students' strengths and especially with regards to special education. Um, if you have kids that, are, that really struggle with the average school model, you're providing a whole bunch of different stuff for them to do. And I think that that's where your classroom really becomes a magical place. That's where kids feel like you showed up, learned about them, learned what works best for them, and then created it or allowed them to create something. Um, and that's where I think where kids feel seen. And that's when like, it, it's just like a never ending, I don't know, source of magic in your classroom because you're really paying attention to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, does that work or much? If I give advice, I'm not sure like, would say afterwards. It's like
4: Yeah, it's just, it's, I just feel like it's so hard right now because I feel like I don't know my kids like I normally would, even yeah. though it's January and I've had them an entire semester. It, it's so hard to figure out like, what are they like? Because you can't observe them and walk around your classroom and just like talk with them because you know, during class change, you hear them talking about X, Y, and Z thing. And I'm like, what do, what do kids even do these days? I don't know. So, yeah. um, hopefully. We- a lot no, of video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of
1: video games. So here's here's a
4: Discord. real
1: quick, how I think you can do that. One, um, we use Schoology. And so on Schoology, I can just post like a very simple journal entry in the beginning. And sometimes those are simple and silly. So yesterday's was, or two days ago, Friday was, uh, pancakes or waffles. That's all I want to know. Are you on, are you team pancake or team waffle? And then that spawned like kids that don't ever talk about anything. were like, no, waffles are better because you don't just eat waffles by themselves. You can have waffles and chicken. You can have waffles and ice cream. You can have a waffle cone for your ice cream. And I was like, damn, bro, like this, that's some deep level thinking. And then it started this conversation. And sometimes just those silly things come up, but you're taking notes. Sometimes when I have kids in breakout rooms and zoom, um, there's always one or two kids that are like, I don't, they don't like being in the breakout room by themselves. Even if we're all, even if they're just with me and they're working silently, they like looking up and someone else is there. They're not like in the abyss or like, they're not sucked into the matrix. So when they finish work, we'll talk about anything, right? I'll be like, Hey, did you guys watch, uh, like, if you guys have been watching Cobra Kai, or did you watch Um, This show or like what's something that I need to know this is one of my favorites. What's something that I need to know about so I can be relevant with everybody else and they'll be like oh well word there's this new app, or have you tried this or there's this new social platform or whatever, then when other kids come out of the zoom breakout rooms because they're done because they have a question because it's something We go, all right, yo, we're talking about, um, what's the new app that Mara's been on lately? Well,
2: it's not new, but it's new for her,
1: Discord. Oh, Discord is something that all my students are talking about right now. So um, are you on Discord? No, I'm not on Discord because of this reason or because my mom won't let me though, it's a good point. And so now they're pulled into the conversation. And slowly but surely as kids are coming back, it's like, yo, as we're waiting for everybody else, we're talking about Discord right now. Like, have you played this or have you been on it or what are your thoughts on it? And it is, it's those little moments that you get to do it because if you think about in the hallway there's not a lot of time anyway right we have five minutes between classes but all the intel you can get in five minutes and then it becomes this snowball effect of like i'm gathering little things so maybe tomorrow the do now the journal the lesson is tied to discord in some way shape or form and then they're like oh damn like you you made this part of the lesson. It's like, bro, this is what you're interested in. Like like when we talk about stuff, I'm not just like this isn't just in passing. I'm like making mental notes so I can gear this into something that you're actually interested in. And so I think that that's just a simple way, one of the simple ways to do that. So.
4: All right, thank you.
1: For that was my awkward ending where I was like, okay, fizzled <laughs> yeah. out. Now I don't know.
4: You want to ask? Did
1: that help? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what else to say. So. Um, Cool. Well, look, uh, I'm hoping people in the chat are saying something about differentiation also, because I feel like there's like a lot that can be said about that. And it's going to think some of that's going to based on your on your grade level and like the level of your students in your class and stuff, too. So, um, yeah. But Liz, look, I hope that you have a, I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday um, and that this is a good week for you a little bit. A little bit less insane week than last week was it felt like in school and in the world in general but uh
4: knock on wood because now something's gonna happen right yeah <laughs> no, no,
1: all right <laughs> i have i have a <laughs> laminate desk but all this just have to i'll have to count so cool all right we'll talk to you soon um who's next that was miss, long but that was good
2: uh miss Predis predisak Okay. Oh, I'm terrible with princes. sorry. Uh, thanks for everything you do. My challenge is that being an ex-bully, I fear being more authoritative to get um, discipline in my class. Positive. Oh, to get positive discipline in my class, as if my students um, would like me less. Any tips?
1: Wait. Say that one more time, because that was a great. I my love seven things about this.
2: Being an ex-bully. I fear being a, I fear being more authoritative to get positive discipline in my class as if my students would like me less.
1: First of all, can we just note the fact that she called herself an ex bully. (laughs) Like, I love that. And now being mindful Mm. of her like inclinations when she was younger, um, not wanting that not wanting to kind of tap into that energy yeah. to discipline someone in your class. It's so, great that
2: you even know that about yourself. Let's just note that. Because like. I think,
1: I mean, I got, I got bullied a lot in high school. I got beat up every day of ninth grade. I didn't get into a let me let me make sure this is clear. I did not get into a fight every day of ninth grade. I got my ass handed to me every day of ninth grade. And I went to like the mm-hmm. most. I went to. I I think, I remember hearing that our school was. Um, the worst school with regards to discipline and arrests and fights and what have you um, in Southern New Jersey. So, you know, and then there was, there's was me uh, who looked like a young Bieber going into ninth grade. So that, that being said, um, I just think that like my response to, to the bullying was for me to become, I knew I couldn't fight, but I had my wits. And so I would just use sarcasm. And so when I started teaching, it was, I, what I thought was me being funny, me being silly, me like just kind of messing with you. Like some kids really, that hurt their feelings. Like, and I, and I, it was something that I had used so much in my life to deal with bullies, to deal with feelings about myself that I didn't like was like just being a sarcastic jerk. Um, and even when I met my wife, like one of the things I did, like, I remember my mom being like, you should light off her a little bit. And I'm like, nah, it's just messing around. Like, And it was like, you know, so it was, it was me having to learn how to rethink how I could use that. I, I think that there's something, I'm not saying in bullying, but in that mindset, that assertion mindset, it's like, if you are given a weapon if you were given a gift and you're not taught how to deal with that um when you are thor and you're given the hammer and you don't know how to use the hammer it's going to get out of control right like you need to learn how to use the tools that you have for good instead of for anything else right so i think using assertion using for me sarcasm um it all has a place in the classroom and this is why because not all students respond to the same type of discipline or the same type of redirection or the same type of connection in just the same way that in loving kids out loud in class, some kids like the high five, some kids want the public shout out, some kids want a big giant hug in the hallway and you're making a big deal about them. Um, Some kids don't, some kids it's a post-it note on your desk. Some kids it's, yo, come here right before you leave class, I just wanna talk to you real quick. Hey man, you did a really wonderful job today. I saw how you were really trying. I saw how it wasn't so easy for you, but you stuck with it. And I just want you to know that I noticed that and that I appreciate your hard work. Um, Sometimes it's putting, uh, sticking, you know, I have a whole thing of them here. Sticking eyeballs on kids. You can't really see them because they stick the wrong way. Sticking eyeballs on kids and going, got my eye on you and that kind of like silly joke is enough because some kids can't handle all that love up in your face and honesty and that kind of thing like it makes them feel awkward you're learning different people's like what they need not what they want necessarily although that can be a part of it but what they need and in doing that um sometimes that is raising your voice sometimes that is saying something in a joking manner so that I don't offend someone or because I know that you are you are likely to become unhinged if I raise my voice with you. Um, Sometimes it's saying something in a really like stern, but like calm voice with someone. Sometimes it's non-verbal redirection. Sometimes it's, yo, bro, we're not even talking about this again. Sit, sit down, please. Thank you. Stop touching that individual, not having this conversation again. Sometimes it's calling home. Sometimes it's bringing in somebody else to help you deal with the situation. Um, So what you don't wanna do is, is take your baggage and and think that it's just going to be the same thing again, right? Like when I was a kid, there were certain tools I didn't know how to use. There's a reason my mom wouldn't let me use a uh, nail gun because I'd probably shoot myself in the hand with it. Now I'm a grown up, and now I know how to wield that instrument in a different way so that it benefits children. Figure out sometimes, sometimes figuring out ourselves, figuring out our own shadow sides, figuring out the, our own pr- problems with, self-esteem, with confidence, with um, narcissism, with anything else, that gets in the way of us being the teachers we are called to be. And so sometimes it's unlearning some of the things, sometimes it's processing some of the things, sometimes it's changing the narrative in our head about what we think about certain stuff so that we can show up and be the teachers that our kids need us to be. So I think in that, it's just starting to figure out how can you use that because some kids might need it. And you don't, you know, right, as teachers, we don't want to hold anything back that would give our kids the best opportunity to succeed in life. Um, so that's my that's my answer for that.
2: It's
1: your long, your long answer. Sure, here we are. Short questions, long answers. There it's even making go. my hair fall down. It's really hot back here, it man. It's
2: very hot. Well, it's Holy crap. In the sun and all that. No. It's lovely Which and warm. Right. I love it. What do you got? Uh, One Click Wonders. Mark is asking, any ideas for virtual class games? Thanks for everything you do on this
1: channel. Uh, Virtual class games, I like, um, so I like, there's a number of things that I like. I like Kahoot a lot. Um, I like Kahoot uh, and I have zero affiliation with them. I like Kahoot because I can change things in it so I can take somebody else's Kahoot that they already made and I can change the pictures. I can change um, how much time I want the kids to have. I can change the number of options. I also like Kahoot, but the way we do Kahoot in our classroom is I don't just play straight Kahoot. I can't stand Kahoot music. It's some of the worst music I ever heard in my life. So instead, um, I have my students thinking this year that I'm really into 1970s grocery store music. And so if you go on YouTube, you can type in 1970s grocery store music and it you will get a number of selections that will pop up that are hilarious. Um, and so I will play that. I'll mute the Kahoot music. I'll play that in the background. And then I also have soundboards pulled up. And if you just type in virtual soundboards into Google, you'll get a whole bunch of them. And you can get like winning sounds, losing sounds, you can get meme sounds. Um, and so, if a kid wins and wins something or gets something right, and it's like ding, 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 or wah, wah. it's just a way to kind of sprinkle magic on some of those virtual worlds that you're playing stuff on. The other one, oh,
2: snap, Kayla Everybody had us else play has been it.
1: Like quizzes. Qu- quizzes? Is that or quizzes? Quizzes? <laughs> I don't know. What <laughs> uh, yes, I've heard of that quizzes as well. And there was another one that Kayla brought in before. Break, that was phenomenal, and I'm gonna forget. I don't remember what it was because she had to like send me the link. But I thought I had to have the app on my phone. But the kids download so much stuff on um, their phone, I can't keep Tim it from
2: Teachers on Fire is here. He says Kahoot actually offers a number of options for music. Oh, they that? do.
1: Yeah, it's you the same like any song. Options? It, no, because it's the same <laughs> song. But they do like you can do like the techno version or the eight bit version or the you know it's all different stuff. It that is a really cool version of it um yeah so that by the way check out that uh podcast, podcast. teachers on fire podcast is great that is one of my favorite conversations i ever had for a podcast um so folks should check that out uh yeah
2: all right we um, got dude we're over time so we're gonna end
1: up i feel like we started a couple minutes late but we can we can finish up because i know that it's not just us it's the team that's yeah. working on this i don't want to hold them
2: um so we're gonna we're gonna skip to our last question and I just want to honor Naomi because she is a student um asking you a question uh like a high school student oh lovely
1: lovely. um
2: she's asking do you have any tips for helping a student who does not and then in parentheses says kind of low-key hates a topic when everyone else really likes it um or does well at at least sort of kind of like (laughs) I hate the topic. All right, you got, got an answer for that one, I almost. All
1: right, so.
2: Who doesn't like the topic when everyone else really likes it, basically, is what she's asking.
1: You know, I think there's a couple of things you can do with this. So sometimes, you know, there, I will set something up for my students where I think it is the greatest experience ever, right? So, and this has happened with like, even with some of my greatest hits, like going to certain poetry shows taking my students to Princeton to see plays, going up to meet Gary Vaynerchuk, um, having DJs come into my classroom, having other really special guests that I can't even believe come into my classroom, taking my students on trips that I think are just remarkable, going abroad with my students. Um, like we were in Costa Rica and there was a kid that just hated every minute of it. I'm like, bro, we are ziplining through the jungle and flying past monkeys. And they're just like, sorry. And I'm like, what? what are talking about man it like life doesn't get better than this you know we're like eating dinner by a river and there's like monkeys around and like jungle sounds and it's this beautiful magical experience and we're all together and they're like yeah i don't really like this food it's kind of like this is my favorite place we went to so it's like you can't win everyone but what you can do is a couple of things one um think about that the fact that like sometimes, and, and this sounds like a total old person, like, like parent statement, um, you're not gonna like everything in life. So what are you gonna do when you don't like something, right? Your mindset is something you can control. So sometimes when I am, uh, I don't know, when I'm doing something, when I'm somewhere that not everybody, that everyone loves and that I, it's not really my jam, When um, I have to play video games with my kids. That, making sure no one's standing there. But I don't really want to play. It's not really that fun. Um, and I do it anyway. When I play, when I do puzzles, my daughter, again, let's just make sure. I hope she's not watching this in the other room. The daughter picks the worst puzzles in the world when we do puzzles. They're like so hard and complicated. And they just, just like make my layered. brain bleed. <laughs> it just, aggravates. And then she doesn't end up doing it. I end up doing most of it. Um, it is not so much being tied to the activity, to the book, to the thing that's happening, but it is tying into the community in which you're a part of. So how can I enhance this um, experience for the people that I'm with? So when I'm doing one of those puzzles, I don't really want to do. When I'm playing a game with my kids, I don't really want to play. When I'm having a conversation with any student, they don't really want to have, because I don't really care that much about Dragon Ball Z, but I care about you. So I'll sit here and listen to you talk about Dragon Ball Z for an hour. Um, it is remembering that's the people, not the thing that you're working on that's the most important. And so this is just a really good life skill that there are times when my wife wants to go shopping somewhere that I don't wanna go shopping at. There's a conversation that she wants to have that I don't really wanna participate in. There are times when she's just like, hey, I'm cooking in the kitchen and I don't really wanna like be in here by myself. Can you come in here? And I'm like, I'm really watching this show right now or like really engaged in this activity, but you don't, you do it for the people that you care about because you're a part of their community. And that's how you show up. And I just think that that's a good life skill to kind of keep in mind. Um, And just knowing that sometimes you have to get through something. But if you think of it as I'm getting through this for you, like you're my primary concern, whether that's a friend that you have in class or it's a teacher that you really like and it's just not your jam. um, How can you make this class? Like you, you can show up to a class and make it better. Like students don't get this, that you, being excited about something being motivated about something being asking questions about something is actually gonna make your teacher want to be better right teachers often feel like cover bands that are in a bar and although you're, you're too young for bars yet um, sometimes you're you're playing a bar and you're in a cover band and like people don't really like what you're doing but when people do like what you're doing when people are like sell, yelling hell yeah or they're like start dancing or they you see them drumming on the bar you, you go like oh, like let's get, now I'm like, feel, I'm feeling this room. Like, let's get after it. Let's play like a little bit longer. Let's pull a bit more into this. It's like you bring it a little bit more and students have that ability to do that with their teachers as well. Um, what do you got? Do you want
2: to do some more? Is that it? No, there's, it's never it. Okay.
1: Um, cool. We can call it there then. Because here's the thing it's just not just us anymore. Yeah, it's all there's all these people in the chat and people that are helping us on a team that are helping us make this happen. So I want to honor their time. Um, because I'll sit here and go for three hours and then I know
2: you really could. No,
1: so that's a gig. So look, gang, um, I really it's so important that we do this every week, and it's so important that you even show up and that you're a part of the chat. And even if you're not a part of the chat, even if you sit silently that you're just around people that are being excited because, you know, I say this all the time, but like Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And so that the fact that we're showing up and doing this together is really, really important. Um, if you need more resources, you can go rate right real Reynoldscom You can find everything there from links to mentoring, to links to uh, the Facebook group and Instagram and all that other stuff too. Um, and that's it for this week, right? No announcements, nothing going on? Nope. Crazy, cool. Have a great week, everybody. Peace.